Welcome to another episode of Mastermind.fm with your hosts, Jean Galea of WP Mayor and WP RSS Aggregator, and myself, James Laws of Adventures in Businessing and Ninja Forms. In each episode, we strive to cover the topics that you, the WordPress business owner and entrepreneur, need to take your business to the next level, and the tools that you need to grow as an individual. Grab your favorite beverage and a pen and paper, sit back, and let's dive in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Mastermind.fm. This episode is going to be consisting of interviews, which me and my friend Donica McGloin recorded at WordCamp Europe 2017, which was held in Paris a few weeks ago. So as a WordCamp itself, I think this was my favorite WordCamp Europe so far, although I didn't manage to attend many talks. In fact, I only attended one talk, the Q&A of Matt Malenweg and on Malik. I really enjoyed this WordCamp. The venue was excellent. Obviously, Paris can't be criticized. It's a wonderful place. But really, the venue itself was really nice, much better than last year. I spent a lot of time in the hallway track. I'm just chatting with people who I knew for several years. And obviously, I always try to make new friends and get to know new businesses in the WordPress community, something which I managed to do this year as well. I met some fantastic people, had some great conversations. And so I practically stayed in the halls, just talking to people, learning about what they do, the challenges that they face. Obviously, a lot of topics that we've already spoken about on Mastermind.fm or that we plan to speak about in the coming episodes. So that's about it from my end. Hope you enjoy it. And in the very end of this episode, there is one last interview, which is in Spanish. So for all of you Spanish speakers, I've tried my best to interview Nando from E-Teams in Spanish. So hope you enjoy it and hope you can understand my broken Spanish. Mastermind.fm is proudly sponsored by Liquid Web. While Liquid Web has been best known as a managed hosting company with tons of options, it's also designed a managed WordPress offering that is perfect for mission-critical sites. If you're looking for improved performance, maximized uptime, and incredible support, Liquid Web is the partner you've been waiting for. Now with Visual Compare, at first in the managed WordPress space, automatically updates your plugins. Each night we take a snapshot and visually compare the difference between each plugin. If there's no visual difference, we update the plugin for you. If there is a visual difference, we hold off updating that plugin and wait for your direction. Every Liquid Web managed WordPress customer also has iTheme Sync integrated into their management portal, allowing them to update several sites with a single touch. And if you sign up today using the discount code MASTERMIND33, you'll get 33% off for the next six months. Visit liquidweb.com forward slash managed WordPress to get started. Yeah, so we're here with Carl Alexander, who we had on the show a few episodes ago. And we, of course, have our guest interviewer, Danica. Well, okay. So Carl Alexander, apart from him having an awesome name, I know nothing about the man. So, and I'm ashamed to say I didn't listen to the show, but it was a developer chat. Uh, So I guess that's the first thing I'm going to ask is what kind of developer are you? I guess more specifically, I'm a PHP developer, but uh, I've been uh, involved with the WordPress community for, oh my goodness, I feel like seven or eight years. I've been an organizer for WordCamp Montreal uh, back in Canada for at least six uh, actually, our work camp is coming up soon. It's in uh, mid-August. I can't remember the dates offhand, but uh, if you're nearby, you should come check it out. I love that. So Canadian. Check it out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so John, can you tell me roughly what did you guys cover in your previous uh, interview, just so the listeners can remember? Yeah, apart from lots of dev stuff, I think the highlight was a bit of the controversial aspect of where WordPress is going and whether the community is able to keep up with the times and you know, keep up with developer standards. That was a hot topic that we discussed, mm-hmm. I guess. That was it. Carl, I don't know if you had anything from your end. Yeah, it was just um, not, I wouldn't say heated, but it was a passionate discussion about the really the huge spectrum of, uh, I guess, technical expertise. Which end of the spectrum are you on? I'm in the really <laughs> advanced side. Uh, so I write on a blog on my own website called carlalexander.ca. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it, oh, <laughs> I know it's it's very um, it's very self-aware. And uh, what I teach is object-oriented programming with WordPress. And I joke around a lot when I speak at WordCamps that I picked a niche within a niche within a niche in terms of of what I'm I'm trying to teach because the technical range 
of developers in the WordPress community is quite large because when you're 28% of the web, you're at the same time very accessible, but you also touch with other developers that are much more advanced, that want to use much more elaborate tools or complicated tools. And there's a lot of, not necessarily anger, but there's passion to bring those tools into WordPress or how to get them to work or, or what kind of practices to use. And that's kind of what we discussed uh, during the talk. Isn't there, is there not an extent to which uh, WordPress, okay, although there is obviously a huge range of different abilities, is there not an extent to which the really more advanced people are going to be more attracted to things like Laravel or going into like more, yeah, I mean, it seems to me that a lot of people in WordPress, if you said object-oriented programming to them, they'd probably say, are plugins objects? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a complicated, if anything, my entire blog is to lead at some point to a point where you can write an object-oriented plugin. Like I'm starting like from the foundation up, but you're completely right. And one thing that I kind of talk a lot is how developers kind of get better. Then they touch all these other kind of PHP frameworks or JavaScript or whatnot. And they're like, oh, my, I love this so much more. And then they, they're tempted, or in most cases, they don't come back to the WordPress uh, ecosystem or community. So it's a lot harder for the community to grow. Like when I started publishing, I had friends in the PHP, just PHP devs that were like, why are you wasting your time teaching these things? And it's just, well, I strongly believe in like a tide rises all boats. So if people take the time to teach those things, eventually they'll permeate into WordPress uh, development practices and overall the community is gonna get stronger from it. So the big question is why WordPress? I mean, obviously it's a good thing. It's a good sort of focus, I guess, but in general, in terms of the, I mean, okay, you want to rise all boats. Why not cast the net wider and try to inculcate people into the, you know, the wonderful world of programming beyond WordPress? I feel WordPress is pretty big community already. Like we touched earlier, it's like 28% of the web now. I think for me, it was more of a question of, I like the community a lot. I've been involved with it for a long time. And I feel that there isn't really quite a community like it. There's not a community that does work camps. I travel a lot, not as much as I'd like into Europe. I'm hoping to increase that each year, but at least in the United States and Canada, we're close, like all the work camps in Eastern Canada are like all the organizers and a lot of, of attendees know each other because they attend a lot of them. And it, it creates a very close-knit community that I don't see as much elsewhere. So what you're saying effectively, WordPress is a sort of social crutch for you. Yeah, nailed it. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a, a social crutch, but it's a good social crutch. It keeps me coming back and I love being involved. And I feel that slowly and but surely uh, things are improving. Now it sounds like an abusive relationship. Yes, I know. I, uh, I, I know you laugh about it, but sometimes like I'm always like thinking maybe this is like the Stockholm syndrome. Like maybe I'm like, oh, can, that's how I feel like about his mat nearby. Okay, he's not, he's not. But I'm always like, can you increase the PHP minimum version, Matt? Like 5.3. Second person who said that to me the last hour. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that one's a pretty. I feel we're getting close that we should have this now, but this is like. To me, the definite Stockholm kind of mm -hmm. syndrome uh, moment is, can we just get like a little water, please? And, but yeah, I can definitely see that and I definitely relate to it. But I feel talking to other developers that developers were a wacky bunch. We're never quite happy with things. I don't necessarily want to be elsewhere. I don't want to start a rant on JavaScript, but I feel JavaScript can't get their things straight either. So I don't think there's a perfect world for us. Have you not tried Drupal? No. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> the only CMS I've worked with on PHP is, is WordPress. And then most of my time after that is just Symfony and uh, Laravel. Yeah. Laravel's fantastic. Yeah. Laravel to me is a really good example of something that's not to the same technical level as what Symfony does, but that focuses on developer happiness. So that's why like it's so popular. It's a bit like Rails. Mm. Like one of the reasons why Rails got so popular is because it just made things more enjoyable for developer. Like a lot of the menial tasks and things were just done for him and the the syntax and logic and how you did things appealed to them. Obviously it's got its critics and its, you know, proponents, but um I think it's a great platform either way. Like I look at Taylor Orwell all the time just because I think he has a good Otwell. 
Othwell, sorry, yeah. Othwell. Just because I'm always like curious about his view about those concepts of developer happiness or designing around developer happiness, I think is, is really important as well. He's certainly doing a good job monetizing Laravel. Like I was looking at Forge last month, I thought about joining up, it was $10. Then it went up to 15 and then I hesitated more and now it's 19, holy God. Really, is it that high? Yeah, it's yeah. really gone up. It's really, he's really pumping. Well, for me, it's a good example of where I would like to be heading is just build tools around something that you're giving out for free. And it's just, you don't have to use them, but they're there and he cares about helping developers do these other things, and you, but you have to pay for them. Uh, tell us about your stuff, the education stuff. Is that paid for or do, is it all free on your side? What's the deal? It's all free. I'm working on a book that I'm hoping to finish this year, which is a object-oriented with WordPress book to just get people started with object-oriented concepts, but really with WordPress as the backdrop. Because one fundamental thing, I'm not the first person to try to teach object-oriented programming to WordPress developers. There's a graveyard full of, of other developers uh, that I've tried. So you thought it would be a good idea to try the same thing? Yes, but I have a very different take on it, which is I accept that this is not the best way to do things. It's just an alternative way. Because most of the time that somebody comes to you and tells you, oh, object-oriented programming, this is the best thing. Uh -huh. This is what you need to do. And then somebody tries doing it, doesn't understand, and they're like, this sucks. And they go back to what they were doing before, which is something that you have to take in mind as a teacher, which is they can always go back to what they could do before. So you really have to explain what you're trying to do. Why is it different? Why are you doing it this way? Not necessarily like, oh, this is the best thing ever. It's just these are the way you're doing it. If you want to do it some other way, WordPress offers you other ways to do that. But it's really important to keep that in mind as opposed to just come in on your big white horse and say, you should do object-oriented programming. If you don't, you're just a bad developer. I don't think that's a constructive way to approach teaching. But, but certainly people are gonna to listen to you if you have a big white horse. So my, but the real question is why a book? And, and I, I say this because I know that within the Laravel community, there are a bunch of people who wrote books and every single one of them has said, it takes way more time than you would expect. It just takes over your life for a while. And then it makes almost no money at all. And so it seems to me that, okay, looking at Laravel, you have the example of Laracasts, which is a, a subscription mm -hmm. thing. I think you pay, what, $100 a year or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I, I signed up and I've watched none of the videos so far. Six months in, I haven't watched any of them. But my question is, for you, why on earth would you write a book? And in this time when you can do videos or you can do YouTube things or you could do any number of tutorials online, why a book? I'm going to do not just a book. It's going to be a book. There's going to be screencasts, uh, exercises. It's funny you mentioned Laravel. In the Laravel community, there's a guy named Adam Watton. He's released a book, which is how to refactor to collections, which he's made like $160,000 with. No. Really? Yeah. Oh, but he's uh, selling it himself and it's, it's selling Yeah, it well, that's what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm going to do as well. Oh, um, okay. And he's also doing like test-driven Laravel mm, yeah. course, which apparently is making even more money. He hasn't brought it up yet, but for the book, there's definitely a Medium post that he wrote where he, he goes over like how much money he's made through it. Um, but you know that part of the reason why he's made so much money is he did include naked pictures of him and his partner, so. <laughs> well, I'm not gonna do that, but uh, hopefully I'll be okay. Honestly, for me, like the goal with the book at this point is just to get it out. Because like you how said- How have you been stuck doing it? So when I started off writing on my website, I was so desperate for any sort of subscribers that I had like a regular newsletter subscriber. And then I put the book sign up as well. And it's been there for like two years, I want to say. Um, and you got what, four signups or what? No, I've, I've gotten a lot. I have a sample chapter now. Mm -hmm. I've written about, I want to say 15, 16,000 words for it. Mm -hmm. But I approach it a bit differently from other people that start products is just, I just try to work on it every day. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. And when it's done, it's done. Mm -hmm. As opposed to just giving myself, a, this is just a personal thing. For me, I found yeah. this works for me to hit my goals. I'm not so time focused that I need this at this very moment. And for me, the money that the book makes is bonus money. I'm trying to survive without the book money. So if I get to finish this year, it just means I, I get this bonus at the end of the year, which is all the money the book makes. 
and then next year I can work on something else. Will, will the book, will that help other aspects of your career? I mean, in terms of, I, I presume you do uh, one-on-one personal training or you do sessions or whatever. Would you expect to get more once you have the book, the credibility of being an author? I have no idea. We've just met today. Uh, one thing that defines me a lot is I kind of have no plan. I just kind of go, I have kind of an idea where I want to be. And then I kind of work towards that. So, so far I've done only two kind of coaching sessions, code review uh, sessions. I don't really depend on those for livelihood. Most of my income comes from a small consulting gig that I do on the side and the rest of the time I just spend doing either writing the book or writing free articles, which takes a lot more of the time than the time that I actually spend working. The rest of the time I, I spend traveling. So by the way, in just in case it's not obvious, we're actually interviewing uh, Carl here at uh, WordCamp uh, EU. And so that's, there's lots of people, lots of activities. So if you've heard people laughing like hyenas in the background, that's the reason why. Let me ask you, how are you enjoying Paris? I'm loving Paris. I'm loving France. I've been here for about three weeks now. Three weeks, right? Yeah. You came early. (laughs) Yeah, I came early. I came early. I figured once I'm in France, it shouldn't be too expensive to live off here. Obviously. Paris is cheap. Well, it's cheap if you just go to the grocery store and eat from the grocery store. Yeah, uh, the only way to do Paris cheap is to shoplift. <laughs> but I stayed in Paris for a very short period of time, and then I went to the south of France. So I was in uh, Marseille, Cannes, uh, Monaco, in that area, and then I just came back two days ago. Awesome. Okay, well, uh, Jean, what do you think? Are we wrapping up? Yeah, I'm certainly happy to see people like Carl in the community. I think they provide a great balance to all the other we need stuff. More, we need more names like that. That's an yeah, incredible that's, name. I, I think that's going to be hard to emulate, but... <laughs> it's a confusing name for reservations. I just say Alexander. <laughs> yeah, so if you haven't checked out Carl's website, it's carlalexander.ca. And anything else you want to mention before we close it off? If you're interested in learning about advanced programming topics uh, with WordPress, you should definitely check my site. All right, thank you very much, Carl. Okay, thanks, man. Okay, so we're here once again at uh, WordCamp Europe and we're talking to Brad Williams of WebDev Studios fame. And he's also uh, left a hell of a trail of destruction behind him in the WordPress world with several books and major plugins and everything else. So first of all, how are you enjoying Paris? I love it. The food's amazing. They drink wine nice and early here, which is great. So uh, it's a little hot, but that's, uh, that's the least of my complaints. So I'm having a great time. It's always fun. How many of these things do you attend? I mean, you've gone to a lot of WordCamps around the world, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, I've probably been to like 100 work camps over the years. I went to a lot early on. It's a good way to kind of get our name out there, get involved in the community, meet a lot of a lot of people, make a lot of friends. Slowed down a little bit. I had a son, so not traveling as much recently. But I like to hit the big ones like WordCamp Europe, WordCamp US, and of course, WordCamp Philly, which is where I'm from. So, okay, Was there ever a point where you just felt like not going on? I mean, 100, I think I would have just killed myself at 50. Yeah, I mean, when you're doing like back-to-back three or four weekends in a row, it's fun to travel, but it also wears on you. So I definitely like seeing different cities, countries, cultures, food, you know, meet the people. But yeah, you can wear on you traveling a lot. All right, so you took up residence on my bookshelf for quite a while because I had a great big fat book called uh, WordPress Professional Development, I think it was. So there was a Brad Williams uh, name was on its side in my house. So my question is, is I, I noticed you haven't done a new edition lately, uh, despite the fact that WordPress is probably now bigger than ever. What happened? Are, are books no longer where it's at? So yeah, Professional WordPress, the third edition came out. It's been around two years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely a little behind the times. It's still certainly relevant content, but it's just missing some of the newer stuff. Like the REST API is not in there because it wasn't available at the time. So I don't think books have lost their relevance. To the point of the book, it's something we're working on. So we're working on a new edition. It'll probably be out next year. We'll include things like the REST API and some of the more recent enhancements. Everybody likes to learn a little bit differently. You know, some people learn online. They can kind of scour the web and find the answers they need. Other people like kind of a single point of reference, which is really where I think the book plays very strongly, is it's kind of everything all there in one spot, right? Mm -hmm. Sure, the answers are on the internet, but it might be 50 different sites that you have to piece together to find out if if those are the correct ways to do things, if that's the most current way, Mm -hmm. maybe it's not the best way. So it's kind of the authority in in a certain aspect of this is the proper way. We have spent, you know, hundreds and thousands of hours, you know, researching and working with WordPress core developers to make sure what we're saying is actually the correct way to do things. So it's still relevant. It's definitely if that's in your wheelhouse. Some people like learn differently, you know, some people are more hands-on, they just dive in, but at the very least, it's a great reference tool. 
At one stage, I was definitely a book guy, but I think I kind of dropped out of that. I mean, I was buying an awful lot of big books in our Barnes & Noble or whatever and, and not really reading them. But recently, I find that I've, I've been messing around with Laravel, so I'm using a thing called Laracast, which is all videos. And for whatever reason, I find that pretty good at the moment. Do you think that there's been a move away from books? And I must say, even in terms of print, I'm even looking at the iPad Pro at the moment and thinking that'd be a great way to read computer books as opposed to having the paper thing. So is there a move away or do you think your next edition will sell as well? I think it'll sell well. The question is, will we sell more in the physical print edition or the digital? And I think we're going to see more sales in the digital. And honestly, like I really like the digital copies as well. Mm -hmm. I have the PDFs on my desktop. And the great thing is they're searchable, right? right? So I mentioned it being a nice reference tool. Like I can't remember all that stuff. You know, yeah, I wrote about it, but I can't remember it. So, but what I can do is hit, you know, command F and search through and say, okay, I know I want to make a navigational menu. Search through the book, find where I talk about how to make a navigational menu. There's great code examples I can copy and paste. So it gets me there quicker, right? Versus a physical book where I'm flipping through or going to the index. Do you reference your own books? I do all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you this. So that's Wiley, isn't it, to do the um, those books? Yeah. And they're pretty prestigious and everything. And would you say, you do an awful lot of client work as well. Again, Web Dev Studios. Do you find that the books are one of the channels that bring people in? Are they a substantial channel for bringing people in? I don't know if I'd say substantial. So my books are geared towards developers, right? It's a more technical approach to working with WordPress from a coding standpoint. Our clients generally aren't going to be developers, right? But what it is, I mean, I can tell you it's a much better, you know, approach to hand a potential client a book you've written versus a business card because it kind of immediately says they know what they're talking about, right? So yeah, I think, I think if you wrote uh, WordPress for dummies, they wouldn't be as impressed. <laughs> right. So for that aspect, it's help. It's like, look, we wrote this, I wrote this, you know, we know what we're doing. So... That has helped us in the long run. What's going on with AppRest? Now, that's your big, I believe it's a paid uh, plugin. Well, actually, explain it yourself and tell me, is it still pumping away or is it something that's been superseded by competitors? Yeah, no, AppRest is still doing great. It's essentially a way that you can take an existing WordPress site or a new site if you want to build it and roll out native apps for iOS and Android. I mean, a very simple kind of WordPressy way using the approach of installing some plugins. You can configure out your site. You can have a different unique look, a unique feel. You can define what content's in the app. And then you can actually, we use a service called PhoneGap, which is an open source way of essentially building apps that work cross-platform for iOS and Android. Fraction of the cost and time, you can roll out an app for both Apple and Android devices that work with native application features or native app features like the camera or push notifications or location services. So things that a normal, you know, responsive website can't technically do, these apps can. So it's a really, it's a really fun way for people to get into apps. It's a great upsell that we're seeing different shops and agencies sell to their clients, kind of upsell a, a service they can build an app for them. So it's actually growing uh, quite well. Okay, so you mentioned PhoneGap, which is open source, anybody can use it. What does AppPressor add? And roughly, okay, anybody listening to this, presumably it's a great add-on thing that if anybody out there has clients or they're running an agency or whatever, they can add this as an extra product. But what's the rough cost per site for people to do that? And do you make it more attractive for agencies? Do you give some, some kind of special deals? Yeah, so I mean, at the core of it, basically AppPressor bridges the gap between WordPress and PhoneGap. Right. It connects PhoneGap into WordPress and allows you to tap into things like the camera using things you're familiar with, like shortcodes. You drop the app camera shortcode on your page, and when you look at it in the app, you're going to have the camera button. When you click it, the camera's going to pop up. You take a picture, it uploads right in your media library. So it, it kind of integrates what you expect from the WordPress side of things, what you're familiar with, with PhoneGap right out of the box. Mm -hmm. So cost-wise, generally, our, we start at $50 a month. It goes up from there based on the different features. So that is per site, $50? It's $50 per site. There's definitely, you know, kind of bulk subscription. If you have multiple sites, you can get that mm -hmm. cheaper. It is an ongoing cost, and that it, that hooks into things like we have free push notification integration. So you can send as many push notifications as you want to all of your users. Now, if you stop paying the subscription, it doesn't mean your app's going to break or stop. It basically just means things like push notifications and be able to actually change things like colors and some of the layout and configuration without having to resubmit your app are disabled. So your app will still work. It'll still be out there in store. People can still use it. You just won't be able to make easy modifications to it. So Now, I understand there's a lot of people out there who miss your voice uh, because you did one of the very early, very technical WordPress podcasts. You dropped it about two years ago or so, I think. And did I see, was it uh, Jeff from WP Tavern said something that he was going to miss your dulcet tones or something like that? What's happening with that? And are you going to be getting back into the podcasting game now that it's all the buzz? Yeah, so I was definitely one of two hosts on the Dradcast podcast. We ran for about two and a half years. Did over 100 episodes, had a really good time doing it with Dre Armada. I definitely miss it. You know, we had a good run. We had a lot of fun. It was time to do something different. So I'm definitely working on something. I want to get back out there. I enjoy podcasting. I love listening to podcasts. I want to get back out there. I'm trying to come up with an idea that's a little bit different than what other people are doing, but still kind of, you know, is the things I'm passionate about, which are, you know, WordPress, tech, and the web, really, in general. So 
So can you give us a hint what kind of spin you're going to take on that? We promise not to copy it. It'll be a online live podcast. So that's, oh, that's an awesome idea. <laughs> I know it's unique. I know it's unheard of, but... Uh, well, I don't think anybody edits their podcast, so they're essentially live. Yeah. Live podcasts are great because there is no editing, right? Whatever it is, it is. And I don't mind it being rough. It's fun that way. So oh, I, I hope you just go crazy on air. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. All right. It is fun. Listen, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Are you going to the big after party? Oh, yeah. I won't miss it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Brad. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Okay, so here we are at uh, WordCamp Europe here in Paris, and we're talking to Marcel Sobieski. Yeah, <laughs> How do I say that properly? It's like Sobieski. It's, is it like Sobieski or is it exactly Sobieski? Yes, sir, it's Sobieski. Okay, so now this is good talking to you because you're the first person I've ever talked to from Moldova, which is a very small little country that's right next to, almost enclosed by uh, Romania, right? Uh, yes, we are surrounded by uh, uh, Ukraine and Romania. Uh -huh. Is that a good neighborhood? Yes, the best friends we can get. Yeah, okay. And uh, so how many people are in Moldova? There are around uh, 2.8 million people or 3.5 million inhabitants. Okay, so you're roughly the same size as Ireland, which is where I'm from. Yes, yes, same size and also like Belgium, right. they say. And you also have a, a huge, uh, well, not huge, but you have a very lively uh, WordPress community there. Yes, that's what we've been talking to these days here. We have a pretty much active and vivid uh, WordPress community. We have a couple of big players that are doing a good job and I think we have something to say to the WordPress community. What do you have to say to the WordPress community? First of all, we bring some good services and uh, most of the players on this niche on WordPress, they know about us. They know about these players from Moldova. Okay. And so tell me this. So you've been involved in a whole bunch of things and I believe there's a Polish connection. So can you go right back and tell me what was the first WordPress business you're involved in? You're right. The first WordPress business we started in 2011 was a project called winniethemes.com. It's a RIP project today, but it was a WordPress aggregator, so we were basically gathering uh, around 12,000 WordPress themes from all around the internet, from different marketplaces, uh, theme clubs, and we were selling them on our own website, but we just gave up after uh, three months. Am I correct? Were you selling these like as a sort of a GPL uh, sort of pirate site? No, 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 nothing to do with piracy. We were also sending invoices to every customer and client. It was very clean. Okay, and so, so all of these different theme developers, they sort of get permission and you sold. You basically were a reseller of their themes. Yes, that is correct. We were 100% legal resellers and uh, we were also acting uh, as a kind of an affiliate guy. So we were selling their themes and they were getting their commission and they could always log in into our website. They could see the clicks on their themes, the sales, the stats, and of course the invoices at the end of the month. It sounds great. Why did you stop? Uh, because of Envato, their rules. We couldn't <laughs> compete with them, Envato. Sorry, sorry, but... What, you, you what do they have? What do they have exactly? Their policies, 90-day cookies. It was actually our mistake because we didn't read very well their terms and conditions. We were fighting hard to bring uh, users on our website. They were coming to us and we were convincing them to buy one of those 12 or 15,000 themes that we had on the website because we were making their reviews by ourselves. Imagine yourself, 12,000 themes and we were reviewing each of them. So we are convincing the user at the end of the day to purchase a theme. He goes to Envato, to Theme Forest. Mm. He acquires the theme and then it happens to know that this user was yesterday or 90 days ago on oh. Envato and because of the cookie, we're not getting our $2. So uh, it was useless. We invested a lot of time, but uh, we were not getting those $2 from this poor sale. Do you feel that they were deliberately not totally open about that this was going to happen? I don't know what was in their mind. I think they made uh, a decision, and the decision they made was good for them, but not good for uh, the affiliates. I don't know uh, many guys. Honestly, I don't know anyone who is uh, making money as uh, an affiliate from uh, Envato. I know guys who make uh, money being affiliates on their own, but not with Envato. Okay, so have you ever thought about just getting on a plane and sorting those guys out? Where are they down in Melbourne or something? Nah, no, 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 never thought. We decided to open our own shop and we did it and we opened and we just made an exit with this shop now. Okay, so that was your very first one. That was, was that winning? To we, we need themes. We, okay, okay. And so then what did you go on to? What, when that didn't work out, what was the next thing? The next morning we realized that we are in deep yeah. water. Mm -hmm. We decided to open our own theme club which uh, we did and which we opened and we developed for four months. And What was that called? It was called uh, Tesla Themes, teslathemes.com. Oh. Mm -hmm. Okay, and that's the one that you've just very recently sold, just a week ago, the end of uh, a long sales process. Talk to us about how the sales process felt. Was it something that was stressful? Was it something that kept you awake at night? Was it something that you would be willing to go through again? 
<laughs> uh, yes, you're right. We sold Tesla themes like a week ago uh, in June 9th, mm -hmm. 2017. We sold it to Imagely, a company from the US known for next-gen gallery plugin. It was a process of around uh, three to four months. It was not stressful because we had some experience from our previous exits. We made another exit on, in November. Mm -hmm. And on the other side, it was easy because the buyer was also experienced in buying and acquiring different online businesses. So we both knew how to act and how to behave and what are the steps. But the moments we had some troubles, it was not related about the business, but it was related rather about some legal papers that we must provide uh, and not about trust. Okay. And so have you revealed any kind of public kind of rough price that you sold for? Is that uh, completely hidden? We are happy about the sale. For now, we will not disclose, but we are happy about the sale, and uh, so is the buyer. He's happy about this acquisition. I believe you had another sale back in November, and the main difference between that process and this one is that this time you did not use a broker. Talk us through exactly how it went with the broker back in November, and what were you selling? It's correct. Yes, in November we used the broker. He basically found a client for our website. He just knocked the door and he said that, guys, we have a client interested in your website. At the beginning, we were not interested in getting rid of this uh, business. Which website was this time? It was called Greed Deals. It was an online discounter for digital goods. We used the broker. process was faster. It was about a month and very, very, very tough due diligence for two weeks where the buyer, UK and the Indian company, they were checking everything, absolutely everything on the website. So oh, sorry, it was, a, it was a UK company buying it or an Indian company, did you say? As far as we understood from the buyer, it was a UK company which had a development team in India. So with great deals, have you kind of checked in on it recently and seen how they're doing? Have they changed much? Have, do you think they're making more money now than you were? Sometimes we are asking ourselves in the office what's going on there. We're checking the website. It seems that nothing has changed. And just now at this WordCamp event here in Paris, while talking with our uh, friends here, we understood that many, I just realized, I didn't know that, but uh, they say that many of these WordPress or online acquisitions that are happening, they have a very simple business model. The owner just acquires them and then he reduces all the cost to minimum. Maybe he will keep the support and that's it. And he will wait for some return. And at a certain moment, he will just resell this business. So I think this is the same strategy also with greed deals because we do not see any improvement. And um, as a matter of fact, uh, since half a year since we sold this website, they got only 20 or 30 uh, more likes on Facebook. So this is also maybe a sign that it's not improving. I've heard that there's also a thing where sometimes Chinese companies will buy, you know, very old established and very rich Chinese companies will buy sort of new modern hip companies as a way to kind of boost their own small stock price or, or even just to get money out of the country sometimes. It's possible, but we didn't get that much cash for that. But uh, what I want to say that the new owner, the buyer of uh, Grid Deals, they have a huge experience. Maybe they have more experience than we had uh, at that time for that industry, for digital uh, goods, discounters. So they were very experienced. So I think they had some real reasons why they are acquiring Grid Deals. Maybe it was about the email database. Maybe it was about the backlinks, I don't know, but they had for sure a strategy. It's not, it was not a simple investment just to get rid of the cash. So the first thing you knew about the broker was when he came to you and he already had them. I mean, presumably they found him and they got him to come in and negotiate with you. What do you feel was not good about that? Because you kind of mentioned that with the Tesla themes deal, that not using a broker you felt was better. It's kind of a paradox, if you want. We sold Tesla themes without a broker. It was nicer, it was more enjoyable, it was a nice process. Now we found out these strategies, how to buy and sell, how to trust, how to play openly, how not to hide behind the fingers and numbers or I don't know what. The big disadvantage of having a broker is you are paying 15%. But on the other side, without these gentlemen, you cannot sell your website by yourself, most probably. So brokers are sort of the pimps of the WordPress world. <laughs> Not only WordPress. <laughs> okay, so, you know, it's funny. We were talking to some people the other night and, uh, it, you know, the subject came up. These guys are running a successful business and we were talking about, well, you know, would you sell? And one of the partners was saying, no, under no circumstances would he sell. And, you know, the rest of us were saying, well, come on, if somebody offered you a multiple of 10 on what you're earning per year, surely that would be worth it. You could take the money and do something new. And for you, how do you tend to estimate these things? How do you look at them? What is the, the point at which you say, well, this is enough based on what we're making now? Or do you tend to overestimate what you'll make in the future with things of course everybody wants to get as much as possible from this uh, cash cow but there are some realities that we have to accept so although they speculate a lot of numbers on facebook uh, or different feeds that this guy sold his business for 25 uh, trillion dollars mm. this guy sold his business for uh, one billion dollars 
of course it motivates but at the end of the day you have to be realistic and to make the real calculations how much you are making net profit a month a year in two years uh, if it makes sense to sell it or not it's very simple for us to tell you the truth for uh, tesla teams we needed like half an hour to decide that yes this is the price i was not even impressed i was not shocked i was comfortable and i was happy to know that the buyer the imagely guys they understood this and they were uh, on the same wave with us so within 20 minutes of even not negotiating we just say the price and they made their calculation so within 20 minutes it was agreed the price it was realistic it was not something over estimated or underestimated it was just realistic uh, for any of our listeners who might be struggling with trying to figure out what their business might be worth if you were looking at uh, just very simple variables where a business is making a certain amount per month and it is uh, not expected to grow very greatly there's not risky it's probably going to keep bringing in the same amount per month what sort of multiple on an annual profit would you sell a business for roughly 1.8 2.2 Really? And, and so it wouldn't be more worth your while to just keep the business for two years and, and make that amount? Depends on your strategy. For example, we sold Tesla Team Stand because we were tired or we couldn't make more money, but we needed more cash. And the main reason for selling Tesla was to get rid of this uh, comfort zone because Tesla was bringing us a lot of comfort zone. We were not thinking about growing, but we had a new project in front of us called WPMatic.io which we are now in a position that we have to think only about it. So we don't have any more any recurring payment. We don't have any other payment except WPMatic. I'm going to ask you about WPMatic, but first of all, just to close off that. So what you're saying is, is that in a sense, it's almost psychologically healthy. It's almost motivating to be able to flip things and to be able to accept prices. If you're getting a cash price that comes in and offers you like two years worth of uh, profits, that's something that will keep you moving. In our position, it was 100%, like you say. Yes, right. it's correct. Not to get rid, but to sell and to be totally distracted out of that and to focus on something else. Okay, so now WPMatic, this is your new thing. You're, you're all gunning on this. You've just closed off Tesla. You've done all the handover stuff. Now you can focus 100%. It's WP, sorry, tell me the name again. WPMatic.io. And what is that? As we write on our brochure, as we write on our website, WPMatic is a uh, 360 degrees one-on-one -on -one support development customization center for any WordPress issue or website or client or agency. So basically, you don't have to think anymore about any technical part having with your uh, website. You just shift everything to us. Right, okay, that sounds pretty good. Now, this is there's been quite a few companies that do something similar. What is the edge that you guys have? And are your support staff all based in uh, Moldova? Yes, yes. This is one of the biggest advantages that we have. First of all, there are not many guys doing that uh, all around here. A few websites doing the same services like we do now. But our advantage is that we have all the people in one office. We do not have any outsource. We are not using anything externally. It's good, it's bad, it doesn't matter, but we have everything in one office. And we work uh, more than 12 hours and we are always available. So in case one guy, one dev or one designer is missing today because he's ill or has a wedding, uh, somebody else will replace him within uh, 10 minutes. So the customer, he's not feeling any differences in time zones or that somebody is missing. The job, the project is being done. And the reason why we created WP Medic is very simple. Today, everyone is trying to design quickly a theme to put it somewhere on the internet and sell. But nobody thinks about what's happening afterwards, what's happening with their client. For instance, my mom, if she will buy a theme, it's not that easy to customize. It's not that easy to change even a logo for her or to install the WordPress. So she needs some assistance and nobody does that, or very few at least. So let's be those guys who will help everybody. Okay, so now, as you can hear, folks, there's a lot of stuff going on in the background here. This is WordCamp Europe basically shut it winding down, and they're all getting ready for the big party. Lots of banging going on. That's a pretty amazing stuff. Now, you've been on Mastermind before, and I hope that you're going to be on it again so that John can more professionally ask these questions. But uh, let me ask you, what's your big plan for tonight? <laughs> well, I think we will meet again with our friends, with everybody around here. We will say hello to everybody. And we will just enjoy the time the way we did yesterday, because oh, yeah. we yesterday... That was great fun. Yeah, it was a great fun. Uh, they say what, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, but uh, I think we can add something else. What happens in Paris stays in Paris. Okay. We'll have some fun tonight, and we will say hello again to everyone here. Okay, listen, that's great. Thank you so much, Marcel. Really appreciate it. Cheers. It's our pleasure. Thank you very much. All right, so we're here with uh, David and uh, Tobias from CodePress.nl. Is that yeah. right? They do the admin columns plugin, so they're fellow plugin developers. And we've got Danaka with us. 
And we're going to get to know a bit about these two guys and what they do. Just to mention, we're here at WorkCamp Europe. Uh, so there's a lot of noise in the background or whatever. Oh, we hope it adds the atmosphere. We'll try to keep it. Yeah. All right, so Danica, why don't you go ahead and start it off? Okay, so you guys, you already know uh, Jean and Anjona, but I don't really know anything about your product. So I'd like to ask both of you to explain to me what your product is and what you were doing before this that led you to this product. So we're from CodePress. We usually build uh, websites. So we used to build websites, uh, more technical uh, aspects of uh, WordPress websites. At some point, we created the Admin Commons plugin due to needs uh, from our clients. And it just started out as a small idea and it got growing uh, really big. And we have like 90,000 installs now, I think. Uh, Admin Columns is about uh, showing um, whatever content you have on your overview pages. So say you have uh, the page overview, you just see a few columns, uh, like a title and uh, the date. And Admin Columns really, you can like put any piece of content you want to see. You can turn it into a column. You get like better overview of what your content is about. and. Could you give us just a couple of use cases of maybe clients who have implemented this in a useful manner just to give a more visual idea to our listeners? Yeah, okay. So, for example, say you have to know that every page uh, has a featured image, for example, or all the templates are correctly set. With admin columns, you can just in a glance see if every page is missing data or has uh, wrongly formatted data. And with the uh, Pro Edition, you can also sort and filter to get that result way faster. So you can just, like, say you sort on your page template, you immediately see if pages are missing templates or not having a featured image. This is just one of the use cases. Can I ask just quickly, this would work really well with uh, some kind of plugin that lets you put in custom fields or whatever else. You could see it right there. So and it wouldn't be incompatible with any of them, would it? Well, actually, just to jump in as well, we have the RSS aggregator plugin, and I know that some of our customers use it precisely for the case of the featured image and other fields. But specifically for the featured image, I know they're using it for sure because our plugin imports content from other websites, and people are really into making sure that the featured image came in. So that's why from the post list screen, they will be able to see the featured image or not. So. What, what was the other question? Well, no, 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 no. I believe <laughs> they, they, they confirmed that, yes, it, it is completely compatible with all of those those things. Actually, we even have uh, add-ons uh, for specific uh, custom field plugins. Like, for example, if you use ACF or WooCommerce, we have uh, written uh, special columns that support the uh, WooCommerce and uh, ACF API. So it would like recognize if it's a repeater field or a number field or a price formatting, everything is... How would you be for, for things like Toolset or all the other products? Would you have add-ons for them as well? We, right now we have ACF, Toolset, and we have Pods, and uh, we are working on a few more. So um, whatever the users want, we, which, we try which to... Which ones are you working on right now? Custom meta boxes we're working on. We're working on Ninja Forms. We are thinking about Gravity Forms. Yeah. What's interesting is for other developers who are listening, do you actually reach out to the plugin developers that you're like developing the add-ons for and establish a relationship? And if yes, how do you do it? You just email them. <laughs> you contact them on Slack or GitHub or whatever. You just reach out and say, we have build or are building an integration for your plugin. It's going to help your plugin users with this or that. So you found it like an easy thing to do? The development is kind of hard, but the reaching out is, uh, yeah, it's easy. Do you do a lot of cross-promotion? Do you find it easy for them to be able to promote your plugin on their website and you cross-promote kind of things? Yeah, that, that sort of goes naturally. People usually see the value of our product. They're almost always like, oh, this, this is really cool and this is really handy and um, it helps their users as well. So sort of naturally goes without, like, we don't have to make a strong case to do this cross-site promotion. So Tobias, how did you get involved in this? Well, we started a company together, so uh, in 2011. And then, uh, yeah, like they've explained, we started with Admi Columns because of uh, one of the clients needed to create their own columns. And let me ask you, so that's a long time, that's six years. Has this been your full-time thing for six years? No, we started in 2011, it was the first version, and it's still on the repository today. And then it gradually evolved in what it is today. So we're still working on it. But it, so what you're saying is that we don't have to buy your product. We can just go get the thing off the repository, right? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> how, much, how much does it cost? If I want to buy it today, it sounds incredibly useful. How much is that to buy? Our pricing starts at $49. So then you have a one-site license and it goes up to the developer's license 
which is 199, I think. Yeah. yeah. Is that lifetime or year by year? Year by year. So yeah, there are renewals. Yeah. But they're at 40% discount. So. Yeah. What if you do the renewals? Okay, I got you. So you pay 120 for the next year. So let me ask you a quick question. In terms of deciding to go for the site-by-site -site thing, how can you even enforce that? That seems like a really difficult thing. I mean, surely people can just... How do you enforce that at the level of if somebody installs it into two sites, it just won't work or, or what? The plugin will always work, but it's about the convenience of updating uh, automatically and getting support. So if you have the code, you can just use it for now. We're not going to restrain that you can't use it or something. Are you guys twins? No, <laughs> because of the beard, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, so my final question is, I'm curious about the way you work. Do you all work in an office or is it a remote setup? Is it just you guys, more guys outside of the Netherlands or inside? How is the setup? We're in our own office in uh, Amersfoort. So a small office, 60 square feet, I think. With the tree, because we have also Stephen uh, as a uh, developer. What's the scene like in the Netherlands? Because where I think um, Joost is, is somewhere in the east of the country, right? Yeah. Is there a lot of interaction between you guys and other big developers uh, over there? We decided to split up the country. Joost <laughs> gets the east, <laughs> we, we get the rest. No, I don't think there is a lot of Dutch uh, plugin companies. We know Joost very well because the Netherlands is a, is a small country. There's a lot of WordPress agencies, but not so much uh, plugin developers. Well, thanks for getting on the interview and good luck with the plugin. Thank you. Thank you very much, John. Thank you. Cool. That was cool, guys. Yeah, yeah, that was good. All right. So we're sitting here with my good friend Madeline from Romania. And of course, we've got Danaka. I've seen Madeline doing a lot of support today. So we're going to try to find out what was the day all about and what kind of atmosphere we're seeing here at WordCamp Contributor Day. I guess, first of all, uh, what have you been doing today? Hi, so I'm Madeline from Romania. I'm working at Tmile. And uh, today I was the entire day at the support team. And I uh, was working on WordPress.org. I tried to solve the tickets from my language, in fact, in Romanian. And I saw that there are so many tickets a long time without reply. So I tried to solve them. And I think uh, many Romanians that are working on WordPress.org, but we don't uh, reply to our uh, customers, in fact, people that are writing in our language. So it was a little bit tricky for me to find out why that's happening. In fact, we are Romanian, but we prefer to work in English and we maybe refuse a little bit to help the people from our country. So how old were these tickets? I mean, what would the oldest ones have been? <laughs> Starting with six months until wow. three years. Yeah. I saw tickets unsolved for three years. But, but is it not the case that if you're solving a ticket like that's six months old? I mean, four months ago, they moved over to Joomla. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe you're right. But those tickets are still opening. And if you want to solve them and to move around, you have to fix them and to mark them resolved. So you have to, to do that, only maybe to ping him to close the ticket. And so for, like, for a person to start contributing in the support part, first of all, you need to be registered and have a username on WordPress.org, is that correct? And then yes. can you just uh, log in and start replying to questions? Yeah, so the first phase is to create an account on WordPress.org and then go to the support and you have to choose between teams and plugins. So you are asked if you have a question for teams or plugins, and then you can open easily a ticket and uh, detail uh, your problem. And I mean, for answering other people's questions as you are doing today, yes. they need some kind of approval or can you just, anyone can just go in and start answering other questions? Yes, anyone can start answering to other questions, but in fact, you cannot mark them as resolved. So you have to ask the user to mark the ticket as resolved if the problem was resolved. So I could volunteer to go in and help with WordPress support, even if I've never used WordPress. Not even if you don't use the, but if you use it once, for example, only to install the WordPress, you already know WordPress. So maybe you can find someone who don't know how to install the WordPress, mm -hmm. but you already finished this step. So you can help him with that. 
But what if I start suggesting solutions? Like, for instance, somebody says, you know, I'm, I'm, I just can't get this theme to work. And if I say something like, well, right now you're wearing way too many clothes. If I give answers like that, is there anybody to stop me? Yeah, I think we're just... What the concern is whether there is any kind of moderation. And especially if you're answering questions in Romanian and you're the only Romanian yeah. in the forum, you know, who controls what you say? Yeah, in fact, you know, here is something like a moral thing. So you have to be, <laughs> yeah, you know, you have to be uh, kind with the others because you want to have the same for the others. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that if you blame someone else, you will expect to be treated in other way so okay but but i mean obviously so the system basically depends on the goodness of people but what yes. if there was a bad human being who went in and just decided to tell a lot of lies okay i think in that case you can report the ticket and then an admin can take care of him there's an actual tag that's used for i think it's mod look yes when such instances happen where there's a disagreement or somebody's abusing of the forum mm -hmm. You put that tag and an admin of the forum will actually check it out. Yeah. The problem, as we said, is if there is a language which is just not so common among the moderators, it can be problematic. Yeah, I think that for every language is an administrator, so yes, they can check it. So is there all the languages or is there only a language when there's a moderator in place? Are almost all languages, almost. And for each language is an admin who can take care of that. Brother, that makes sense. I think, Danica, that would solve the issue. Solve the issue. Unless the bad person is the moderator. Anyway, listen, no, we're just messing around. Listen, so tell me about your wider experience. You work for the company, as you said, Theme Isle. And just to make that really clear for the listeners, that's Isle spelled I-S-L-E. Is this your company or you just work for them? No, I just work for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why did they pick such a bad domain? Well, you know the way sometimes when you're picking a domain name, it's important to pick something that's easy to say on the ah, phone okay. to somebody. Our CEO, Yonunz, was uh, on a trip on an island when she... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like that, you know. And uh, uh -huh. for here he comes, yeah. He's, so he, he's on an island and he said, I think I'll start naming things <laughs> Isle, Team Isle, Plugin Isle. Do you have Plugin Isle? No, we have Team Isle, but we uh, sell as well plugins. Uh -huh. So what's it like working? How long have you worked for them for? Three years and a half. Uh -huh. And have you worked previously for other WordPress companies? Or? No. In fact, I learned WordPress in, wow. with Thimile. Uh -huh. Yes. So you went in for an interview for this company three and a half years ago. Yes. And they had to explain to you what WordPress was. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, for sure. Uh, that is how I start. And for me, it was something new because mm -hmm. I have a management background. Mm -hmm. So this thing with the programmation and the websites was something new for me mm -hmm. and i was excited to learn about and yonuts gave me that chance to learn and uh, i learned in my way i did some three house courses mm -hmm. i was the first person on support mm -hmm. and step by step i learned developing things and to do support and now i'm focused more on support than on developing just to add something to this, I think the story is, is great to hear, and but it's also very common in the WordPress world. I think as an industry, WordPress is very accessible to anyone. In fact, on our end, I think most of our team was also in this same situation where they came in with no knowledge of WordPress and some of them with no knowledge of development itself. And that's when we started training them in-house. And I think it's a clever idea from a CEO point of view because you're hiring for aptitudes rather than the skill in programming or in support itself. So you get to form the culture of your company, which at the early stage, I believe you joined when Themile was still quite yes. small, you know? Yes. And that helped Yonuts in your case as your CEO yes. form the culture of the company. Yes. In fact, I think I was the fourth person in the company. Probably that was my chance because the company was at the beginning and uh, we met each other in Rennes, in France. He asked me if I know English, if I want to do something in that domain. I said that I know English, but I don't know what WordPress is. So he gave me that chance. And uh, at the first moment, I just looked at they, how they work, uh, what they do how they reply to customers, and then I have started to reply myself. 
and then to create demos, uh, to learn uh, WordPress uh, with Treehouse, and then to fix the small bugs, and then to make documentation. And, and so for someone who's starting out and maybe in the same situation that you were, what advice would you give them if they want to get into the WordPress world? Like, should they attend events or just apply to job vacancies? Like, how did you first meet Jonas? Was that a WordPress event? In fa- no, in fact, we met. I created a blog on Spartacs, actually. And he read my blog. The blog was in my language, in Romanian. And she suggested me that I can write in English, if I know English, because I can attract more visitors. And that is how we meet. And then he proposed me the WordPress, because it's uh, open source and I can do whatever I want. And I told him that, you know, but I don't know everything uh, about programming. And for me, it's easier to work with Squarespace. And uh, he gave me a domain for free to try, to install WordPress and to play with it. As advice, if you feel that you like to do that, from my point of view, it's easy to do it. If I succeeded to do that, I think that everyone can do it. So what works for me? Yes, the better idea is to attending to work camps. The networking is the best way to meet uh, each other people and to spoke with them and you can learn a lot of stuff and as well to learn in your way and to have patience to do that uh, you don't have to be in hurry and if because if you want to do something now and you don't allocate your time to do that you maybe you will fail but if you give you time and to know that you have time and do things step by step Maybe in six months, you will be capable to work in that domain. Awesome. And we're actually joined by Aliona, who's working with me on WP Mayor. But she's going to give us her opinion on how easy it is to join the WordPress space. Is it very difficult for you, coming from a non-WordPress background, to go into the WordPress space and you know get to do something useful? No, it was very easy for me. I've learned quite quickly, but still I'm not a very advanced user. But I can do a lot of things and I can even create my own website. So it's quite easy. All right, Danica, do you have anything else from your end? Just just one question. Uh, so the support that you've been doing today, volunteer basis, you're over here, you're helping out here on Contributor Day. What would be the difference between the support tickets you're answering today and the ones that you do in your working job with Themile? What's the main difference? That's a great question. Actually, today, the first thing that was different was that I worked in uh, my language. I write in Romanian because... Uh, well, Tmail would be mostly English, right? Yes. Yeah. So that's, that's is different. And I think that's the only thing because on Tmail, we do the same thing uh, at on WordPress. We help our customers if they need help with some uh, custom codes. Sometimes we help them. So... It's almost the in, same thing. In general, if you take a look at the kind of quality of question you've been asked today, and this is the WordPress.org uh, support, and the general questions you get asked by female customers, which group of people are more stupid? They are not stupid, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't think that uh, we don't have uh, stupid customers. Okay. This interviewer is stupid. But, but no, no. But, but seriously, in, in your entire history of doing support for three and a half years, you've never come across a stupid question? Never? <laughs> yes, of course, but, you know, maybe the people... No, but I think it's a good question. Like, how would you reply yeah, I... to questions that might sound stupid, you know, because it's like a total beginner who doesn't even know he's using WordPress. Sometimes we yeah, yeah. we actually have this kind of people, you know, yes. who like and no idea what they're using. We reply him kindly and they don't know that the question was stupid. So mm-hmm. we just help them. What's the biggest thing you've ever been asked? Have you ever had anybody basically say, can you please make my website for me? Have you ever had that? Oh, in fact, we had many stupid questions, but... (laughs) Oh, the story's changing. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's about questions, but Uh it's not... I can't say that uh, the, I don't know, these customers are stupid or, you know, because if you don't work in that domain and, I don't know, you just want to create a website and you know that WordPress is free and you can do it, Maybe it's not something that you already know it. So maybe you can 
create well, that's, that, that, that's very kind of you. I mean, I mean, you're obviously a very generous and very patient man. But honestly, just between us, have you, wanted, <laughs> <laughs> have you ever wanted, you know, just slightly slap or maybe punch uh, a customer? Yeah, that happened once, I think two years ago uh-huh. was uh, with a customer that he can use a discount code uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, I tried to explain him how to do it and he didn't understand he copied the wrong uh, code and once twice and then I was a little bit angry and uh, I received the bad rating and then I passed the ticket to someone else because uh, <laughs> you know, I was a little bit... I, I think you should look at that as a sort of IQ test. If you're too stupid to copy and paste a code, you're not allowed to use theme <laughs> No, 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 it's, it's not in that way. <laughs> you know, we want uh, to help uh, everyone. And I think that there was my mistake because I didn't know how to handle the ticket in the right way. I think, though, Madeleine makes a very good point. And because sometimes uh, we came across a situation in our plug-in business as well where you get... A person who gets really worked up, maybe it's like a couple of tickets going to and fro with one support person, and that person just reaches his limit of patience, and maybe like you have a really testing customer. And as you said, sometimes the best thing to do is just to pass the person on to someone with a fresh outlook on the situation. And that other support person can maybe like extend the patience for a few more tickets. What, what if the person is really stupid and then all of your support people, you could have 14 people in a room all angry as hell. <laughs> you, all you're doing them is you, you're just... Oh, by the way, folks, we're in, uh, we're in the conference. That's all the shouting in the background. No, but isn't that worse then to pass it? It's like he got the ticket first. Madeleine, I'm sorry, but you should have dealt with the ticket instead of spreading it around like some sort of STD. No, I mean, let me give our... <laughs> Your point, yeah. Madeleine will maybe have his own version. But what we do is, like, if someone is being really difficult, some people are just have bad characters, you know? They, you always get bad apples, you know? They're yeah. being... Sometimes they're insulting our employees, you know? And in that case, it's just a case of ending the relationship, giving them a refund, and that's it, you know? Yeah. It's not like you have to extend it forever, but... Sometimes it's just a person doesn't match with your current mood or temperament, you know, and you're not patient enough to deal with this customer. But there are also cases where, okay, a plugin is quite complex to use. And if this guy is, doesn't know what a WordPress website is, we're politely going to tell him that perhaps this plugin is not ideal for him. Maybe he needs to get a developer to help him out. And then we offer him a refund. I don't know if you had similar situations on your end, Madeleine. Yes. Relating to the first question, I think, as well as you, sometimes it's better to pass the ticket because if the customer is, is angry with you, whatever you will say in the next ticket, he will be mad. Okay. So if you pass to someone else, he can handle uh, the ticket in another way. So the customer will be happy as well. He, he will think that, uh, okay, I escape uh, for so that stupid. So I, think, I think that's a great point you make, Madeleine, as well. Sometimes the customer just seeing a different name will completely change his approach to things. And that's happened on our end as well. That's a great solution. And so for any of you out there who do happen to have the bad luck to get a frustrating customer, we'll now give you Madeline's email address and just forward them, forward everything to Madeline and he'll he'll take a, he'll have a fresh perspective. The most patient man in WordPress, Madeline. <laughs> we, we better wrap it up because it's getting more noisy here. But Madeline, thank you so much for sharing your time. Thank you us. too. And I'm sorry because at uh, first I was a little bit nervous. So I'm sorry for that. And thank you. No, you thank you very much. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. And that brings us to the end of this interview episode, a special episode about WordCamp Europe 2017. Next year's WordCamp will be in Belgrade in Serbia, and I hope to meet many of you there. So there's this one final interview that I made with Nando from E-Teams, and it's in Spanish. So if you don't understand Spanish, uh, you can end the episode here. But if you do, you can go ahead and listen to this bonus interview with Nando from E-Teams. Estamos aquí con Nando de E-Teams y quiero un poco preguntar cómo fue la experiencia hasta ahora. Estamos en el, el día 2 de WordCamp y están aquí Nando y su equipo. Y quiero un poco preguntar cómo 
va todo y la experiencia en esto primero World Camp o eh, esto es vuestro primer eh, World Camp Europe, Europe sí. sí. Ok, ¿cuál es la experiencia hasta ahora? Uh, una experiencia muy, muy excelente. Estamos encantados del evento, del lugar, de la organización. Está todo hecho muy, muy, muy bien. Eh, primera experiencia en World Camp Europe, como tú has dicho. Nonostante están más de 3.000 personas, sí. el evento parece muy, muy, muy bueno. Para nosotros, en esta experiencia, hemos tenido un montón de personas que han llegado aquí a la nuestra mensita a preguntar, coger drag, camiseta. Mucha gente interesada respecto a World Camp más pequeño que se hace en cada país. En este World Camp Europe, lo que estamos viendo es que está mucha gente más en target, más freelance, web agency, personas que trabajan en este sector. Mientras uh, WordCamp más, más pequeño, generalmente se encuentra también personas que no conocen WooCommerce, WordPress. Entonces, para nosotros es mucho mejor así, porque tenemos mucha gente en Target. Entonces estamos diciendo porque nosotros nos hemos conocido en el WordCamp de Madrid hace dos, tres meses y obviamente era más pequeño hay un WordCamp de creo 200 personas, pero es muy interesante lo que dice es que el tipo de persona es diferente, el tipo de perfil de la gente que viene en cada WordCamp. Pues, eh, entonces es, para vosotros es mejor ir a estos WordCamps más grandes, ¿no? Creo que el usuario más que comprará algo de, de vuestros productos. Nuestro target de verdad es propio esto, propio esto. Mientras un World Camp como Madrid está al menos me da del de asistente que no tiene conocimiento todavía de WordPress, de WooCommerce, donde para nosotros todavía es fuera de target. Eh, para los usuarios que están escuchando y que no conocen eTeams, vosotros tenéis un medio equipo en Tenerife y otro en Italia. ¿Puedes explicar un poco lo que es que hacéis con vuestros productos? Vale. Nosotros desarrollamos plugin, principalmente plugin, también plantilla para WooCommerce. WooCommerce es un plugin de WordPress que permite de hacer una tienda online con WordPress. Nuestro producto permite de extender la funcionalidad básica de WooCommerce. Como has dicho tú, tenemos parte del equipo en Italia porque yo soy italiano, antes estaba en Italia. Da dos años me soy mudado con toda mi familia, mi mujer, mis hijos en Santa Cruz, en Tenerife. O he hecho una nueva empresa aquí, en Tenerife, una nueva oficina o empezado a emplear en Tenerife. En este momento somos en 30 personas más o menos, 24 chicos en Italia, y 7 más o menos en Tenerife ahora. Estamos todavía empleando, buscamos otros 4 desarrolladores en este momento por uh, subir el equipo que se dedica al soporte de nuestro producto. Muy bien, muy bien. Entonces, damos las gracias a... Nando, y pedimos disculpa por el español <risa> un poco mezclado, sea de Nando, pero también del mío, que estoy todavía aprendiendo. Lo siento por mi español, todavía tengo que aprender mucho. <risa> pero espero que habéis entendido algo. <risa> pero bueno. Ok, gracias, Nando. Muchas gracias a ti, Juan. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Mastermind.fm. If you liked what you heard in today's episode, please head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your feedback encourages us to keep producing the kind of content that you have come to rely on for your own entrepreneurial journey. And if you have a question or topic you'd like us to cover on the show, send it to us through our website or via email at podcast at mastermind.fm or even connect with us on Twitter at mastermind.fm. We look forward to hearing from you and hope you have a fantastic week. <laughs>